The point is, the antagonist must put the protagonist through her paces. This means Marco must do everything he can to rope Rita in. Except, of course, actually become the man she hopes he is. Because what Rita needs far more than Marco is the ability to face her fear. Which means that by mercilessly leading her on, Marco is actually doing her a favor by forcing her to confront the thing that's always held her back. And that is precisely what the reader will be rooting for. Most of the time, because there's that one last versus to contend with, the antagonist versus mercy or the appearance thereof. No one is bad to the bone, psychopaths notwithstanding. And in the case of psychopaths, their de defining trait is the ability to feign empathy without actually feeling a thing. Guys like serial killer Ted Bundy are utterly charming and appear capable of mercy right up to the moment they break out the duct tape and the hacksaw. The key element in the mercy rule is the implied maybe. Maybe against all odds, market will change. You want there to be a moment or two when the reader thinks, hey, seems like Marco isn't so bad after all. This moment will probably come just as Rita is in the midst of deciding never to see him again. So she relents, and for a minute it looks as if it'll turn out okay after all. And then, when he thinks no one is looking, Marco kicks one of Mabel's cats really hard and we think, uh-oh. Why is this important? Because it's difficult to maintain suspense in the face of foregone conclusion. Even a smidgen of maybe goes a very long way. If you force, if your force of opposition, whether a femme fatale, a cad or a cyborg is all bad, why bother having them show up? All they have to do is phone in, phone in the threat. And with caller ID, who's going to answer anyway? However, if the protagonist has a nasty case of the flu and Ted Bundy shows up with a steaming bowl of homemade chicken soup, well, that's another story. Maybe he's had a change of heart. Or maybe the soup is laced with arsenic. The point is we don't know. Hello, suspense. The reason the various verses are so good at engendering suspense is that pitting two opposing desires, facts or truths, against each other inherently incites ongoing conflict. It gives the reader something to root for another yardstick by which to measure the protagonist's progress and a clear view of where the conflict lies. And so it might come as a surprise that writers often work over time devising ingenious plot twists to keep the very suspense under wraps, which means it's time to reveal how one of the most popular methods writers employ to add suspense often produces the exact opposite effect. Here's a myth. With withholding information for the big reveal is what keeps readers hooked. But the reality is, withholding information very often robs the story of what really hooks readers. First, what is reveal? What is our reveal? A reveal is a fact that, when it finally comes to light, 
changes and in so doing explains something. Often that something is everything. A major reveal is a surprise near the end that twists the meaning of everything that came before it. It's Darth Vader booming, I am your father, Luke. It's Evelyn Cross Mulray admitting to Jack Giddies, she's my sister and my daughter. It's Norman Bates in his dead mother's dress. These reveals are shocking, yet they are completely believable the second we hear them. Why? Because up to that moment, although the story made sense, we couldn't quite shake the feeling that there was more going on than met the eye, which was act- actively trying to make sense of, which we actually actively tried to make sense of throughout. This is something we were able to do because the writers gave us a specific pattern of hints all the way long, and so although each story made sense up to that moment. In light of the sub- reveal, it makes even more sense. But make no mistake, it is only because of the pattern of hints that the reveal, when it comes, is instantly accepted as truth. Otherwise, it's one of the t- three de- dreaded C's. A convenience, a contrivance, a contrivance, or a coincidence. It's like reading a murder mystery in which we find out the last page that the hero about to go to the gallows for a murder he didn't commit has a guilty evil twin who no one including one suspects the writer knew existed up to that moment. The problem with such books is that because the author has kept so much crucial information secret we have no idea what is really going on nor do we have a, a way to figuring it out. Or worse, we don't even know that there is anything going on beyond what's on the page. For instance, Once, I read a 500-page manuscript about Fred, an unscrupulous automotive executive who staked his company's fortune in a car that on the eve of its unveiling, he discovered had a potentially fatal design defect. Squelching the information, Fred put it on the market anyway, with with the expected tragic results. The novel was about how Fred was then brought to justice. The manuscript contained no surprises until 400 page 450, that's when it was revealed that Fred had been the subject of an ongoing undercover FBI investigation from the start. In fact, several of his close personal associates, including Sally as his mistress, had been spying on him from the get-go. There wasn't a whiff of this in the manuscript, mind you, not even the slightest teeny tiny hint. When I asked the author about it, he smiled and said he'd done it on purpose because he was saving it for a big reveal at the end. The trouble was no one would ever have read that far. Why? Because by working mightily to keep the reader in the dark, he had robbed the story of what would have been his primary source of tension and suspense. Talk about irony. The truth is, the truth, the truth, which is completely obvious in hindsight, is simply this. If you don't know there's intrigue afoot, then there's no intrigue afoot. Because while readers relish looking back and reinterpreting specific events in light of new information that now twists their meaning, there are two ironclad conditions that must be met first. Number one, there must have been a pattern of specific hints or tells along the way, alerting us that all was not as it seems, which the new twist now illuminates and explains. Number two, these hints and tells need to stand out and make sense in their own right before the reveal. What readers won't do is go back and insert entire subplots, 
It's like saying, hey, I know watching Fred for 450 pages was dull, but now go back and reimagine the whole thing, knowing that the FBI was always just outside the door, listening. And all those people who claimed to be his friends, they were secretly wired, and Sally, his mistress, she never even liked them. To make matters worse, in light of this reveal, everything Fred's friends did back then no longer rings true, because had they been wired, they would have been nervous, and it would have, sh it would have shown, if only in their body language. There would have been something in Sally's behavior that intimidated she was up to more than an afternoon's delight. Sure, the kindest among us might think, well, I guess since Sally was actually working for the feds, she's a pro, so there's no way she'd have done anything that would tip Fred off. Trouble is, that still won't make the scene in which she was hiding her true feelings any more compelling or believable, given what we know about the infallibility of body language and our propensity for making inad inadvertent mistakes. Not that we have to know or even suspect what Sally's really up to, but we do have to know that something about Sally's behavior is off, thus alerting us to the fact that there's more going on than meets the eye. You want us to try to figure out what that might be. To that end, you can mislead, or as opposed to lie to, us along the way. Take Hitchcock's Vertigo, in which retired police detective Scotty Ferguson is led to believe that a beautiful young woman named Madeline is a troubled wife of his old friend Gavin, Gavin Elster, who has hired Scotty to make sure she doesn't kill herself. As Scotty then falls in love with the enigmatic Madeline, we sense both her attraction to him and her reluctance to surrender to it, giving these scenes tension and suspense. We chalk this up to the very believable fact that since she's not only married, but to a good friend of his, she feels doubtily, doubly guilty. Still, she doesn't seem quite seem as crazy as Elster intimidated. Intimated. So when we find out that what was really going on, she is in love with Scotty, but isn't married to El Elster, who hired her to set, Scot set Scotty up. On reflection, her behavior makes even more sense totally validating the reveal. Contrast that with the ballad of auto-exec Fred and undercover agent Sally because the author steadfastly kept any hint of conflict out of their trysts. We had no idea there was more to it than what was on the page, so it was pretty dull. But not the author, but not to the author, who knew Sally was hiding the truth from Fred, which no doubt made it very exciting indeed to him. Why deny the reader that same pleasure?